0: It's great to look over the congregation, and I know that there are many smiles behind that uh, those masks. So, this is an, um, a privilege, and it is a joy for me to uh, be up here today, this morning, with you. And somebody asked me if um, somebody very special this morning said, "I've been crying all through these um, all through these sermons." Uh, the Lord's been touching me. Are you going to make me cry this morning? I said, well, I hope not. I hope instead I make you laugh. So here it is. Um, it, I'm going to talk about joy unspeakable. And uh, if you have your Bibles and want to turn to First Peter 1, we're going to read verses 3 to verse 8. So I'll just give you a minute. Um, I enjoyed that little video clip that said that our circumstances do not determine our joy. And there are so many times in our lives that we just have to hang on to that truth because when we're doing well, when everything is well and good in our soul, it's easy to be full of joy and easy to reflect the joy that Jesus gives us. Not so easy when things are um, against us, when we're going through dark days or dark situations. But I want to share with you this morning that God does promise that in spite of what is going on around us, in spite of the difficulties that we may face, rather that we will face, we can have the joy of the Lord in our lives. So, 1 Peter 1, to 3-8 reads, in the NIV, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And even though you do not see him now, glorious joy with an inexpressible and glorious joy. God, we thank you this morning that we can be filled with that inexpressible joy, that no matter what situation we look at this morning, Father God, we know that you are with us, that your joy is being made complete in us, that you are the basis, you're the foundation of our joy, not the world, but you, Lord Jesus. And so we thank you, we invite you here this morning, that you would walk with us, that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would indeed give us joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So I've been singing a song all week. It's an old song and it has taken me back to my early days of salvation when I attended the Pentecostal Church Evangel in town is where I started. And It's a song that I sing to this day. I hear it in my head. I can see the Pastor Green, if anybody remembers Pastor Green at that time many years ago, how he with joy would stand before his congregation and sing that song till his face went red. I love that man, and I love that song. You may know it. You may remember it. It's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it was written in the year 1900 by someone, a gentleman named Barney E. Warren. The lyrics go like this. I have found his grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. I have found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing I am saved from the awful gulf of sin. I have found that hope so bright and clear, living in the realm of grace. Oh, the Savior's presence is so near, I can see his smiling face. I have found the joy no tongue can tell how its waves of glory roll. It is like a great overflowing well springing up within my soul. And the chorus that was sung in the middle of each of those verses went like this. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. How many know that song? How many could sing that in their heads? I know it, Kathy. I know you do. Google says that this song is classified as a timeless truth. taken from 1 Peter 1.8, which, as we just read, says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Did you know, is Rudy here? Mm -mm. He's going to be chucking up on me as I get into a bit of Greek. Did you know that there are eight Greek words for joy in the New Testament? but the most prevalent one is kara. According to Strong's Concordance, kara means joy, calm delight, inner happiness, and gladness. This word is related that then to kairo, which means to rejoice, and then it transfers further into the word karis, which means grace. Therefore, in putting all these words together, the Kara, the Cairo and the Karis means that we as believers can find joy, we can rejoice and be filled with inner gladness. Why? Because of grace. Not wonderful. Wow. In total, the word joy appears at least 60 times in the New Testament. And its first occurrence was found at the nativity or birth of Jesus in Matthew 2.10, which says, When they, the wise men, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, or karah. They rejoiced because of grace, karis that God had come to earth in the form of man. God's grace was now available to all through his son, Jesus. In Luke 2.10, an angel appeared to the shepherds and said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Joy is essential. In the Christian life. Jesus. And it's meant both for us and is available to all of us. Jesus is the basis of our joy. He is the bedrock of our joy. He's our unshakable truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life for all who trust in him. He is our joy. When we trust Jesus, when we place our lives fully in him, we cannot be shaken and we can experience the joy in the midst of any circumstance. We can experience the deep joy of the Holy Spirit, joy in the good times and in the bad. We can find that inner gladness, that calm, that hope, that peace, and that joy because of his grace. Not always does life present to us the Brady Bunch existence that's portrayed in the four o'clock sitcoms. Just ask the real-life actors who portrayed those squeaky clean, happy characters. I don't like that show. (laughs) This life is not always a comedy act. We go through stuff. Reality sits on each of our doorsteps, challenging each one of us in different ways. None of us are exempt from these challenges that life can present. Challenges come in different packages. In this life, we will still face loss, loss of life, loss of jobs, health, family, friends, relationships, and the list goes on. It is normal to think that going going through trials and negative circumstances are not a just cause to rejoice. How could these things in life possibly be transposed into joy. Sometimes it's hard enough knowing and understanding that as Christians, we have to walk through these things, that these things will come to us. But God's word says that difficult trials and negative circumstances will come even when we know him and proclaim him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says that while we are here on earth, we will have many trials and sorrows, but we can take heart because Jesus overcame the world. Here's the good news. Jesus is our good news. He came to seek and save the lost. He came that the world would be saved. God didn't send his world, His son into the world to condemn us, but that the world through him would be saved. He came to set us free. He came to give us hope and confidence. And above all else, he came to give us joy that far surpasses what we can ever go through when on this earth. There is no situation that is bigger than than our God. Joy is possible, but joy is also a choice. We need to know that. The book of James tells us in chapter 1 to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. James encourages us to let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James later reveals to us that the Christian life is about cultivating a deeper trust in God as trials come our way. Do you ever wonder in the moment of despair, in the moment of a trial, what am I going through this for? It's so that we would trust God deeper and further as we go through our journey. In fact, according to James, those trials are exactly what we need in order to trust God more. When we understand this, we can choose joy. So we see that supernatural, deeply rooted joy is essential in the life of a Christian because we will all face trials, and how we face them is so very important. When we persevere, when we continue through the trial, God brings a maturity that we could not attain otherwise. We can choose joy knowing that we can trust Jesus for the outcome, that he is here working for us, working every detail of our lives out for his glory and for our good. We can choose joy, knowing that joy comes from him, that we don't need to conjure joy up because we can't anyhow when we're in the midst of a trial. The Bible says that he rejoices over us with joy. He's already there. He's dancing over us with joy. He's rejoicing over us with joy. What a picture that brings to us. What a picture, an important picture, that we need to continue to see as we go through this life. Therefore, today we can see that joy is essential joy is possible and joy is a choice and joy can be experienced not only on our good days but in the face of our trials joy is one of the nine fruits of the holy spirit and it's the result of being filled with the holy spirit in the way that allows us to call god our abba father that speaks of close relationship. That speaks of closeness to God that in the midst of our day, we can call him Abba Father. True joy is found in Jesus. God is the originator of joy and it's essential to our walk always. And here's the in exciting part. We don't have to do it alone. Turn around and look at this room. We are not alone. We're here with each other and we're walking through life together. That's exciting. God designed us to live in families. Family relationships are important to God. And when we said yes to Jesus, we were adopted into his family. When trouble comes, our tendency seems quite often to be I'm just going to shut my door and be alone. We like to isolate ourselves, but we need to know that in every circumstance, every situation we face, there is an open invitation to go deeper and connect to both God. And to our spiritual family. The word says that God sets the lonely and the hurt into families. We desperately need each other to come alongside and walk with each of us. Right now, I'm excited. I'm going to give a shout out. I've been waiting for this page. Page nine. Because I'm going to give a shout out. Number one, to Grand Valley Church. Who for many years has been under the, the pastoring of Pastor Alf. Thank you, Pastor Alf, for everything you've done. This man has, and his beautiful wife have been so important in my walk. And now we have Pastor Andrew and Michelle, and we walk alongside of them. Thank you, Pastor Andrew and Michelle. We are rich because of the pastors in our lives. We are rich because of one another. But I want to give a shout-out not only to Grand Valley Church, but for the discipleship uh, groups that we have invitation to attend once a week. In here, in this place, in these places where we find the freedom to walk, We find the freedom to greet one another with joy, to encourage one another, to lift one another up. It's here that we find a place of safe refuge where whatever has gone on around us, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, we are greeted and given opportunity to fellowship with people of sound and like mind. That lives that reflect the joy that is found in walking with Jesus. How do we get through our circumstance? Not by being alone, but by coming and walking together. It is during these times that we have opportunity to connect with one another, to lift each other up, to lift our concerns and trials up, to pray with each other, to encourage one another. We feel God's joy rise up within ourselves, and we know that we could face whatever trial lies before us because we are doing it together. Can you all say together? Yeah. We're doing it together. And how many are in a life group I just, or a discipleship group? Just raise your hands and give a shout. I think Yay. you are so important. We are so important and everybody has opportunity to be in this group. Believe me, it's a great time. We get to know one another, right Janice? We get to pray with one another, right Donna, and Mary? It is a time where we melt and mold together and come and understand the Word of God even more than, I don't know, even more than we deserve sometimes. But we have that opportunity to be together. And Hebrews 10.25 reminds us not to neglect meeting together, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Our being together, our being part of a family, is so important to God. As we journey together with God and with each other, strength is renewed, our joy is renewed, our vision is renewed, and our hearts are gladdened. Joy helps us heal. Janet reminded me this week when we had our discipleship group back in about 1994 when a move of the Holy Spirit went through many churches and we were part of that and I remember um, 1994 and there was a lot of laughter going on in the house of God. There was joy in the house of the Lord that was unspeakable and full of glory. And it was a time for many of us, myself included, that it was a time of healing, healing of emotions, healing of thoughts, healings of things that had gone on before us. And to this day, I remember those days as a time of um, the Lord just sweeping through and cleaning out closets, and it was a wonderful time. So when we journey together with God and with each other, we're renewed, our joy is renewed, our vision is renewed, our hearts are gladdened, joy helps us to heal. In the book of Nehemiah, we are told that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy transforms us and we are regenerated in him. We are strengthened and renewed by his joy. It is said that spiritual joy from God gives us a sense of his presence, of the presence of good, showing us that he has the ultimate power, that he is more than able to direct our lives. As we learn and understand more that God is all, that he is good, and that there is no power besides him, Spiritual joy will be ours more and more, bringing healing and happiness into our lives. We learn to face our problems with a deep sense of confidence that God and His divine truth is always active in helping us gain a higher, more spiritual understanding of life. When patience has its perfect work, The result is healing. In the storms of life, God mercifully, mercifully interrupts us with his word. And the joy that comes as a result becomes like a healing balm as our great physician binds our wounds and restores us. Isaiah 35.10 says, The ransomed of the Lord shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. How do we obtain joy? How do we continue to walk in joy? And how do we spread joy? In the book of Philippians, Paul encourages us to remember that our our citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth. Paul encourages us to make sure that our lifestyle is lived out in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he reminds us not to do anything from selfishness or conceit, but to do all things in humility. Not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others. How difficult that seems that Paul would give us. This, um, that Paul would instruct us in this way. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a crisis, when I'm in a situation, the last thing I really feel like doing is looking to the needs of others. I'm in my room going, Are you kidding me? I don't think I'll ever get out of this. I don't think I'll ever smile again. I just don't know that the joy of the Lord is for me today. But here, is what God says, that even in the midst of our situations, when we take our eyes off ourselves sometimes and look to what others are going through and determined to be a strength and a comfort to them, we begin to find healing in comforting others. Jesus never called us to be into ourselves to migrate into our poor me theories. He never ever called us in the moment of darkness to look. In fact, if you look at what Jesus did in his moment of darkness, when he hung on the cross, what was he doing? He sure wasn't looking at himself going, poor me. He was lifting his eyes up to his Abba Father, and he knew that this moment was what he came to. To earth for that we would be saved we would be set free and we would be promised we had the promise then of going to heaven and being with him we had the opportunity for eternal life and when we're in our moments of crisis when we're in our moments of darkness let's remember that one of the best things we can do is look to the needs of others how can i help you What can I do for you? Can I pray for you? And we will see that that is one of the biggest um, medications we could ever, ever use. Ironically, Paul often spoke of joy during a time when he was in prison, in chains, often bruised and beaten. And those that he was writing to were also facing hardships and trials. We learned from Paul that joy is not always the result of an easy life without dis- difficulties, that it is not always determined by our circumstances, but that it is an attitude determined and based on our faith in God. Nowhere else can we find this lasting joy than in full and true fellowship with God. The world cannot give us joy. It becomes a case of I've been there, done that, and it didn't work. Only God can give us joy. It has been proven time and time again, life by life, testimony by testimony, that only in the stable of long ago, when Jesus came to earth as a baby, only at the foot of the cross, where we meet our humanness face to face, with eternity and with a loving Savior, forgiven, redeemed, Bought with a price that our sorrows turn to joy. The shackles of sin and shame are broken. Our lives are cleansed forever by the blood of Christ, saved, redeemed, full of God's grace and joy. The Qur'an comes to us, and once again we rejoice because of grace. If you can turn with me again. To First Peter 1 and together let's look at the rest of the story. What is it that has filled us with this unspeakable joy? Verse 8 if you recall said though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. But here's what verse 9 says. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We begin to understand that our greatest struggle can be an opportunity for growth. Our faith in Christ has an outcome, a result. We, as children of God, can rejoice in our salvation and future glory in eternity. Verse 9 says, We are receiving an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And it is kept secure for us. It's not going anywhere. It will never rust or be stolen away. It will never become boring or wearisome. It will never become too much of a good thing and become spoiled for us, and it already belongs to us. It's our inheritance because Christ has become our brother and has made us sons and daughters of our King. Together we can sing and we can bring joy to the world. Amen. That's Andrew.